Uh, well, tonight we have the privilege of continuing our trek um, through the series titled What is Church? You guys know that. Um, for those of you who've been with us all semester, I'm sure that you would agree with me in that this series on the church, um, it's been really challenging. It's been good. It's been exciting and it's been informative and uh, I've, I've definitely grown in my appreciation uh, for all that the Word of God has to say concerning the church. And I really hope, we're missing a point if this is not what's taking place in our own lives, I, I hope that our, our love for Christ and our love for His church is growing. It's really the goal, isn't it? Um, and, and I hope that it continues to grow as we continue to go along this semester. And uh, so tonight, Coming off of two wonderful weeks of Matt teaching us uh, about the biblical marks of a healthy church. Wasn't that great? Yeah, that was really, really good. Uh, we're going to turn our attention to the inward mission of the church. The inward mission of the church tonight. You can see that title at the, uh, on the top of your, your handouts if you have your handouts. And I, I want to be, begin tonight by asking a question. I like to ask questions. They're good. Um, and the question is this, if I were to ask you what the mission of the church is to be within its own walls, what would you tell me? Uh, would you say that the mission is to be constantly coming up with really good ideas to go out and get more people to join the church? Or, or would it be to keep the believers that are already present in the church, would it, would it be to keep those guys and gals entertained? To constantly be delivering exotical or exotic musical performances and captivating sermons? Or maybe the mission is this, uh, to meet the felt needs of all the church members. Or you might say that the mission of the church is to be constantly seeking to put on really, really exciting events that keep the members enthused about coming. Or possibly really good dinner nights. Yeah, yeah, we all like dinner, right? We all like food. I mean, the old saying goes, it says, if, if you can get to their bellies, you can get to their heart, right? <laughs> amen. Somebody said amen. <laughs> or, or maybe the mission of the church is to constantly be seeking to make it a very warm and welcoming place. We all like warm and welcoming places. I know I do. Uh, to deck out its rooms and sanctuaries with elaborate artwork, wonderful carpet, and good elevator music, if it has an elevator. And, and if it doesn't have an elevator, then it definitely better have some soothing bathroom music at the very least, right? That might help. You know, sadly, in today's Christian world, I, I wouldn't be surprised if many people actually believe that some of these things just mentioned are what the church should be giving most of its attention to. Sadly, I know we laugh, but some people think those things. But most of us here know that that is not what the Bible says the church is to be doing. And so again, I'll pose the question, what is the mission of the church inwardly? I believe that there's really one Bible passage that answers that question very clearly, and that passage I'm going to draw your attention to tonight. It's in the book of Ephesians. 
So why don't you open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. It's located in the New Testament, four Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and then the book of Ephesians. I'm sure it comes to no surprise for most of you that we're turning uh, to this letter. It's a wonderful letter that speaks a great deal on the church, and especially so in chapter 4. And so I want to read verse, verses 11 and 12. This is Paul writing concerning the church. He says, And he, he being God, gave the apostles, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Uh, here in these two verses, Paul essentially states the inward mission of the church. He tells the Ephesian believers that God has given gifted men to the church. That's verse 11. And then he goes on to say that, that these gifted men that are given to the church are to equip the gifted saints. That's the beginning of verse 12. And for what reason? What reason did God give uh, the church gifted men, and, and for what reason is God equipping the saints? Well, Paul tells us at the end of verse 12, he says, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That word that's translated building up is from the Greek word oikodome, which is defined as the process of construction or the act of building up. The word is often used in the New Testament by Paul uh, metaphorically, referring to the process of, of the building up of one's character. Paul here in verse 12 isn't talking about the construction of some actual building when he says the building up of the body of Christ, but rather he's talking about the edification of the church. What he's saying is this, the church should be focusing on the spiritual edification of the believers. That's the mission, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the church ought to be doing amongst its own people. Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth that leads to Christ-likeness. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, until... That is, keep building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The end goal of the church uh, is Christ-likeness. And this came to no surprise to the Ephesian believers. Look at what he tells them in chapter 3, verse 21. He says, to him, that is to God, to him be glory in the church. The end goal of the church is to glorify God. Make no mistakes, ladies and gentlemen. It's to bring God praise. But the way in which, listen to this, but the way in which the church brings God praise, we got to look back at Ephesians 4 verse 12. It's by spiritually building up the character of believers. Listen to how one commentator put it. He said, 
The primary purpose of the church isn't to convert sinners to, uh, to Christianity, but it's to perfect, to complete, and to mature the saints for the ministry and edification of the body. You know, sadly, ladies and gentlemen, this has gone by the wayside in the modern-day church. They're failing at the mission of growing spiritually. Wouldn't you guys agree? They're failing. As opposed to using God's method to spiritually grow believers, churches have turned aside to fads and trends of culture as they refuse to teach the Bible. The 21st century American church, as opposed to wanting to grow its members to, to look more like Jesus, they're encouraging their members to look more and more like the world in, attempt to, in an attempt to win the world. Which, listen to this, this, is, this was never the way in which Jesus said we are to win the world, is by looking like them. Never. As opposed to strengthening its members within churches today, are seeking to appease the desires of unbelievers as they turn aside from godly leadership and godly goals. And so what do churches need to do to get back to being an effective witness for the glory of God? The answer, I believe, is right here in the text that we, we've come to tonight. The church has to turn back to the mandate here given by Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, which is to be spiritually growing from within, it has to turn back to seeking to look more like Christ through the edification of the body. And so what I want to do now is I want to look a little closer uh, at these two verses in chapter 4 concerning the mission, the inward mission of the church. So I want you to look back at verse 11 with me. Again, Paul says, And he gave, that is God, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And here in this verse, Paul's telling the Ephesians of the provisions that God has given to the church in order that he might build it up. Uh, these are the tools, if you will, that God is going to use to uh, build up his church. And, and, and those tools or those provisions are gifted leaders. These are men who specialize in handling scripture. These are men who labor in teaching and in preaching and in exhortation of the word of God. And of course, it should come as no surprise as to why God's provision for the church or why God's tools uh, for spiritual maturity are men who are gifted in this area. It's because the Bible, listen to this, the Bible is the single most important tool for spiritually maturing the Christian. Write that one down. I'll, I'll say it again. The reason God has given gifted Bible teachers to the church is because the Bible is the single most important tool when it comes to spiritual growth. Isn't this what Jesus said himself? In John chapter 17, he prayed to the Father. He said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says that the word of truth is the instrument of means by which we look more like him. If you would, we're all in Ephesians chapter 4 right now. Turn with me a couple books to the right to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's a familiar passage to most of you. It's a wonderful and well-known passage concerning the word of God. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes in verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul says here that the word of God is sufficient, and he says it's useful. It's sufficient and useful for teaching the believer how they ought to live. Paul here tells young Timothy that the word of God is sufficient for rebuking and convicting the believer when they have sinned. It's sufficient, he says, for spiritually restoring the believer and building up their character. It's sufficient for training men and women in the church to have or to behave in a righteous manner. And summing up his point in verse 17, he says that the word of God is good enough to complete and to prepare the Christian for every good work in life. Every good work in life. No wonder he goes on to give the command that he does to Timothy in the next couple of verses. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. What does he say? Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? For the time is coming when, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We definitely, we definitely live in a day and age where that verse is true. These passages here in 2 Timothy could not be more clear in regard to the word of God being important. It's the most important tool, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, it's the most important tool for Christian growth. And so with that in mind, flip back to Ephesians 4. Looking back at verse 11, Paul tells the Ephesians that God has provided gifted men for the church in order that they, uh, these men would help it spiritually grow. And the way they do that, these men, is by faithfully teaching the word of God to believers. But the teaching of the word is not all that these leaders listed here in, in verse 11 do. You see here in, in this verse, Paul uses the word shepherd to describe these leaders, it's one of the gifts given to the church. Shepherds. And, and this is a wonderful word that describes much more than just the leader's capability of teaching the Bible. This is a wonderful word that describes the tender care and oversight that these men, these leaders that are given to the church, are to be providing. In the first century context in which Paul is writing, the idea of a shepherd was all too common amongst the people. It's believed, and this comes from a little historical research, that everyone, listen to this, everyone in the first century Greco-Jewish society at some point in their life, at some point in their life, took on the role of a shepherd. Or, 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 if, or if they didn't own sheep, they, they owned some type of livestock. And to put it plainly, the livestock that a person might have owned in, in this day and age 
it would have been very, very dear to their heart. Very, very dear to their heart. The person who owned whatever animal he owned did whatever it took to nurture and to care for his animals. He, he would do all that he could to protect them from predators and any unhealthy intake. The main priority of the shepherd or whatever he owned, whatever animal was, was the well-being of his sheep. He wanted his sheep to grow and to be healthy. And this too, ladies and gentlemen, is, is to be the mindset of the church's leaders today. They are called to tenderly care for the church, to visit the sick, to tend to the needs of the people, to care for the widows in the church. Peter writes concerning the church leaders in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. You guys know this verse. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Care for the church, Peter commands the leaders. It's what the leaders are to be doing. Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says in his address to the Ephesian elders, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The gifted leaders given to the church are to tenderly care for the church so that believers can grow, so that believers could accomplish what Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 12 says, to, to be built up, to be built up. And so summing up what Paul says in verse 11, Paul says that the provision for spiritual growth, uh, the provision for the inward mission is gifted leaders, Le leaders that grow the church by giving them the word of God. Leaders that grow the church by giving them spiritual oversight. Leaders that grow the church by giving them spiritual attention and spiritual care. And the last thing to note concerning verse 11 is that a couple of these offices mentioned here or a couple of these roles that are mentioned here are no longer in existence today. You see at the beginning of verse 11, you see the words, the apostles and the prophets. Those offices uh, have ceased. Uh, these offices were, were for men, uh, men who God had used to be foundational to the church as the New Testament was being written. Uh, but because the word of God is now complete, those offices have ceased to exist. I believe the word of God teaches that. And I just figured I'd tell you guys that to, to uh, clear up some questions you might have. And so moving on to the next verse and the last major point for the night, let's read verse 12. I'm going to get a running start, uh, starting in verse 11 again. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of, of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. And we've sort of already examined and explained uh, this verse in somewhat detail at the very beginning of this message. Uh, we already know that the latter half of it uh, states the inward mission of the church, namely the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, but what I want to take some time to discuss now in regard to verse 12 is the fact that it has in it, I believe, uh, the plan of action God desires uh, to use for church's spiritual growth. 
And that is this. Here's God's plan. God primarily wants to use the lay people in the church to help it grow. I'll say that again. God primarily wants to use the lay people in the church to help it grow. Or it might be said in this way. It's not the sole duty of the church's leader, of the church's leaders, of the pastors to, pro to produce spiritual growth. It's not solely their duty. It's the duty of the church members. Paul here in verse 12 uh, says that the saints are equipped for the work of the ministry. Not the church leaders, the saints, you and I, the lay people. And the reason this is, is very, the reason why this is super important, ladies and gentlemen, because there's this misconception in many Christians, in, in many churches today, that, uh, that the lay people have no role in the church. We know that's not true. Many people in the church today have this erroneous idea that they are insignificant when it comes to the well-being of the church. I'll tell you guys all this right now. You're not insignificant. You're very, very important. You're very, very important. The, the idea that you are insignificant to the church or that you're less significant than any pastor at this church or any pastor at any other church, that's false. That couldn't be furthest from the truth. God has clearly stated here in Ephesians 4 that lay people, the saints, are to do the work of the ministry. The saints are to build up the body of Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that God says in his word that you have the primary responsibility for spiritually growing the church? Not Pastor Brian. Not Pastor Jeremy. Not Pastor John Mon, Or any other leader in the church. The burdens or, or the privilege of growing the church falls on you, falls on me. I was extremely challenged when I first came to understand what this passage was saying. It's saying that I have a God-given duty and you have a God-given duty to help mature the church so that it might bring glory to God. This is such a wonderful duty to be given, isn't it? Isn't it? And so, believer, I want to pose the question to you now. Are, are you doing your part to help the church mature? Are you doing your part to help the church grow? Or are you just sitting around neglecting and refusing to be used by God in the church? This, unfortunately, in today's Christianity is all too often the reality. In today's American churches, most Christians who go to church don't even realize, uh, nor do they care to be used by God to help his body. They don't even care. They constantly come to church with this selfish mentality of what can they get out from it? What can they get from church? They have no desire to give to the church in any regard. They arrive late and leave early, never to be seen or heard. They treat the church of Christ as if she were some prostitute created for their felt needs. The only reason they might be coming to church is 
so that they might have this good feeling about themselves. This is a very, very sad truth. But you know what? I I suspect that in a crowd this big, we have some of those type of Christians in this room tonight. The church takers, but not the church givers. Does that describe you? If you were to examine your own life today, would, would you be characterized as a member of the body who is seeking to sacrifice your time and efforts for the benefit of the church? If not, if you're a church taker and not a church giver, I sure hope that tonight would be the turning point. And so if you guys are still in the book of Ephesians, I want to ask you to turn a few letters to the left, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The saints, ladies and gentlemen, the saints do the work of the ministry. The saints are to accomplish the inward mission of the church. I want to show you why the saints are the ones to be used to accomplish this goal. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, let's read verses 4 through 7. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are variety varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul here reminds the church in Corinth that each one of its members were graced with a gift from God, and for what reason? Why does God give men and women gifts, spiritual gifts, namely? Is it for their own benefit? Is it for their their own self-gratification? No. Look at what he says at the end of verse 7. He says, God has given the spirit of... uh, God has given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good. The Spirit of God has gifted all believers, and the purpose for the giving of the gifts is that they be used to serve others in the church. That's why God's using you guys. It's because you're gifted in some regard. Funny story is, uh, it's not in my notes. I don't know if I should go here, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, there's just so many gifts in the church, and you just never, you never, never know uh, what your gifting might be. I don't think the lists given in Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are exhaustive. I think there's more gifts out there. Uh, like, for instance, me, I think I have the gift of washing dishes. Um, that's not listed. <laughs> no, no, but I enjoy washing dishes, and I think I can serve the church in that regard. You know, unfortunately, I haven't found someone who has the gift of uh, putting them away. (laughs) Still working on that. So if anybody thinks they have that gifting, please come talk to me after. We'll make arrangements. (laughs) You've been given a gift. And God calls you to use, God calls you to use it. Look at what, listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards. I'll start over. 
1 Peter 4, verse 10, he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Believers, because you have a gift, you must use it to serve the people in the church. You must use it to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen the body. And so what are some practical ways in which you can do that? What does it look like to practically, practically for believers who are seeking to serve one another with their gifts? What does that look like practically? I believe there are two uh, very day-to-day practical ways in which we as believers can use our gifts to edify the church, to build up the church. Two practical ways. And the first is this, discipleship relationships. This is huge. We as Christians need to be constantly seeking to be involved in discipleship relationships, whether we are the discipler or the disciplee. God has not given us special personalities and particular giftings in order that uh, we would be spiritual codesacs. He desires that we share the spiritual wealth with others. Many of you know 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 2. You know what that says. It's really the go-to Bible verse when it comes to discipleship, isn't it? Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul here, or Paul there in 2 Timothy is, is simply telling him, telling young Timothy that, What he was given by God was not for him to keep. The truths that young Timothy had received from from the Apostle Paul, namely in that context, the gospel, it was to go out. Timothy was to be a, a bursting spring of spiritual insight as he sought to teach others what he had learned from Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to have the same mindset. As we go on living our lives, we ought to be seeking to drink from the spiritual well of older men and older women in the church. But in return and in obedience, we ought to be giving those wonderful things that we learn from our disciplers to others we disciple. So are you being discipled? Or are you discipling other people? If not, I would encourage you to seek an older person out in the church or an older person here at Cross Life who you believe could help you grow spiritually. And if there's a younger person who you think you can pour into their life, I would encourage you to humbly, humbly pursue that relationship with that person. These are crucial things, ladies and gentlemen. This is a crucial aspect, discipleship, if we wish to grow the church. And so moving on to the second practical way that I believe Christians in the church could seek to use their gifts, I believe the Christian can use his or her spiritual gift by seeking to obey the one another's of Scripture. And the one another's of Scripture are are just the verses all throughout the New Testament, there are so many of them, that instruct believers how they ought to interact with one another in the church. You want a practical way to use your gifts? Seek to obey the one another's. Listen to all these one another's. I, I, I jotted down a few of them. The Bible tells us to comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Forgive one another. Colossians chapter 3. Build one another up. Romans chapter 15. Serve one another. Galatians 5. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. 
Be kind and forgiving toward one another. Ephesians 4. Receive one another as Christ received us. Romans 15. Care for one another. Minister to one another. Show hospitality to one another. And the list could go on and on and on. There are one another's everywhere in the New Testament. And there are very practical commands for the believers to live out. Very practical. And so discipleship relationships and the one another's of Scripture are, are just two very practical ways in which you, saints, in which you, believers, can use your gifts uh, to help grow the church. And so moving on from, from there, it's, it's extremely clear from Scripture God's plan for spiritual growth for the church. He wants to use you and I. He calls the leaders in the church to equip us with the word of God. And then we are to go out and work. We are to go out and do the work of the ministry. What a wonderful, wonderful task. What a beautiful thing. And so there seems to really be one obvious question that needs to be asked coming, coming off of tonight, and that is this. Are you doing your part to fulfill the inward mission of the church? Are, are you doing your part? Remember what the end goal of accomplishing the mission is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the glory of God. It's the praise of God. And so are you doing your part to bring about the glory of God in the church? I hope that the answer would be yes. I pray that it would be yes. What are we to be doing? Spiritually building one another up. Spiritually growing. That's the mission. Let's bow in prayer. Well, thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to open up your word. Uh, to look at a couple passages in the book of Ephesians that, that give the inward mission of the church, which is the building up of the body of Christ, Paul says. That is spiritual edification, spiritual growth. Lord, would you help us? Would you help the saints in this room to fulfill the work of the ministry? Would you help us to take serious um, the giftings that you've given us to to use for the common good. Lord, will we constantly be seeking to be nourished, to be fed by our leaders in the church, uh, by the word of God? And Lord, we pray all these things. We, we pray uh, for the inward mission to be taken more seriously in our lives. We, we pray all these things, Lord, not just for ourselves, but uh, like Paul said in Ephesians 3, verse 21, so that there would be glory, that, that, that God would receive glory in the church or by the church. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen.